Right, we're kicking off. Yeah, y'all. Yeah. Play on podcast episode two, myself, Ben. And myself, Cal. How you doing? We are back. I am doing very well. How you doing yourself, bro? Yeah, I'm really good, man. I'm slightly tired, slightly hungover. Had a dinner party with some friends and drank a lot of wine. Um, but yeah, raring to go. Not the best pre-match warm-up. <laughs> like the old days, the drinking days, like the Tony Adams, yeah, take, the Pumas. And <laughs> you're taking it back to the 70s, yeah? The Tuesday club. <laughs> Drink eight pints before kick-off and smoke 20 fags. <laughs> yeah, it's episode two. We are back. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you checked out the first episode of our football roundup, uh, covering topics and then reviews of some some recently big games. Yeah, I'd like to think they all uh, liked it and enjoyed it and they want us back for another episode. I've had some good feedback, positive feedback myself. Yeah. I'm sure you have too. Nothing but positive. So yeah, please leave a comment. Um, please share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Let us know how we're getting on. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Yeah. And um, we're going to kickstart the show with, first of all, some sad news. We've got to say RIP to Justin Edinburgh. Uh, former Tottenham player and uh, was the current Leighton Orient manager who unfortunately died at the age of 49. Rest in peace. Mm. Um, unfortunately died uh, just five days after suffering a cardiac arrest, which is which is worrying someone so young. I was shocked and saddened to hear that. I'm not going to pretend like I knew all about him, but, you know, he was the manager of uh, my sort of local hometown club, uh, our local hometown club, yep. if you like. And, um, you know, after just getting them to win promotion, this this news was really sad. Yeah, come out of nowhere. Um, we know a few Leighton Orient fans and, I mean, he'll go down, he'll go down as a legend for getting them promoted, um, winning the winning the league and doing it the style they did sort of last game of the season or so. And it's just a shame that this, this has happened with leaving his family behind and whatnot. So our thoughts and prayers go out to Justin Edward and the whole family. Um, and everyone that he's worked with, it was a fullback, great fullback for Tottenham. I think he won the FA Cup, the only time Tottenham's won anything uh, in a long time. Apparently, he played for them for ten years, a whole decade. Yeah, he's got. He had a, a lot of appearances. I think over four, almost five hundred games. Mm. Four hundred ninety-seven games. That's a lot of games. Yeah, passionate manager. I saw him when I went to Leighton Orient a few times. I saw him on the touchline. Passionate and um, pushed the team on to greater things. So good luck. With Leighton Orient going into the new season, we wish them well into the second division. Back with the big boys, and our thoughts and prayers go out to Justin Edinburgh. Um, yeah, keeping with the Tottenham theme, uh, Champions League final review. Cal, uh, obviously you watched it. Um, I I kind of didn't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how it came about is I was kind of out with the little lady, and I was on a train. And I was just sort of catching a little bit of it. The mm. plan was I was supposed to go to a bar to watch it yeah. with a mate. And in the end, I just thought, do I really like, I just got this little pang of nervousness came over me. And I thought, do I really want to be in a bar full of Tottenham fans if they end up winning the Champions League? And I just kind of cancelled last minute and I was just watching it on the train on the way back. And then I carried on watching it the rest of it at home. Yeah, I bet you're glad that you didn't sort of dedicate that much time to watching it because it wasn't, to be fair, the best... Champions League final in recent memory. I'll tell you what, though, it did start off pretty well, though, didn't it? Well, if you're a Liverpool fan, <laughs> a, an Arsenal fan, a Chelsea fan, a Anything West Ham fan. Anything but a Tottenham fan. Yeah, I, was, I, was, yeah um, the, I didn't think that was a penalty. That shouldn't have been a penalty. And it almost ruined the game from a neutral perspective. It it sort of ruined the game the first half or so. And, you know, it was, it was awkward. Where did you watch the game, by the way? 
I watched it uh, sandwiched, not physically, but sandwiched between a Tottenham fan and a Liverpool fan. Ooh. Um, ended up watching it around someone's house with drinks. So I was giving verbals to them both, being the fan of football that I am. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was, it wasn't great. I think Tottenham, to be honest, should have won it. I mean, I, they... I mean, go, going back to that talking point you just yeah, mentioned yeah. there with the um, the early goal, the penalty, the penalty for the early goal. I thought that the ball hit his chest. Um, so it was Sissoko, the Tottenham player, wasn't it? That basically got flagged up for a handball. And it looked like the ball kind of bounced off of his chest and onto his arm. But so it's, it's a controversial decision. Was it or wasn't it a penalty? I think it was a penalty because it wasn't a clear cut ball to hand kind of scenario where you would say, OK, the ball has hit his arm his hand by accident and it's no one's fault and it shouldn't be a penalty that to me looked like his arm was way up in the air what was it doing there you know if you're a defender you're always conscious of the fact that you could get a handball and you could the referee could give a penalty against you so you kind of would put your arms by your side wouldn't you his arm was way up in the air did it sort of drag the ball ball down his chest and bounce off of his arm i think that's a penalty Mm. I don't know. I think it was a bit, bit harsh. If it was, uh, I'm going to look at the highlights again. But if if it was your, if it was your team and that happened, you'd be pretty. Mm, his hand was because he's pointing to the goalies. I think he's pointing to the defenders. So, and the ball just hit. It was more, it was more ball to hand than than handball. So I don't care if he's pointing to Jehovah, brother. <laughs> That's a handball. He needed to point to someone. I think he's been pointing to Jehovah and Jesus because he's been one of Tottenham's most improved players. So his prayers have definitely been been answered. Anyway, the Champions League was a bit a bit flat after the penalty. Spurs did really well. Harry Kane should he have started? I don't think he should have started. No, wasn't he's, match fit. He's wasn't been out sharp. Injured. And also, Spurs play completely different when they've got Mora, Lamella, Son. Everyone just running at teams. A he's lot more. Definitely pace. the slowest player in their attack, isn't he? He's quite. You'd be surprised. He's he's not. He's no yeah, slouch. But, but when you look at how fast Son is, oh yeah, Son's is mad. Um, like Ali's not slow. Moore is rapid. Well, Son's running away from having to do uh, like national service, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's running away from the government, so he Most doesn't get called back definitely. and have to go to the army or whatever. But I think he to bring Kane on 20, 30 minutes to go, possibly an option up front, set pieces, and the leader. He's a great leader. He's a great captain for him. I thought Pochettino maybe could have approached that wrong, and Moro just got just got them into the semi final with a great performance, and then to be then to be dropped. Um, so well done to Liverpool, and then Origi popped up at the end, clinical finish. So he's done well. Um, just wanted to mention then, Cal, what's your opinion? Sort of where the where the Spurs go from here, and where the Liverpool go from here. Obviously, Liverpool winning the Champions League. Can they further strengthen their team, strengthen their chances to win the league next year? They're incredibly unlucky. Losing to Man City in the last day, win, losing the league, and then being in the Champions League final two years in a row. So, how could those strengthen their their positions? More signings. That's some interesting talking points. You, there's a lot of talking points in Sorry, there. Sorry, yeah, I threw it away um, there. Do Spurs right? I'll start off. Do, oh, do, okay. do Spurs? Do Spurs need to sign some new players, or do you think they could keep going? Tottenham Hotspur. I think they're kind of operating at their peak at the moment with the way that the club's being run. I think they're kind of operating at their peak unless they kind of change into a different style where maybe they start splashing the cash on really big signings. Mm. 
then okay, definitely they can improve. But if they continue with sort of bringing in youth players and trying to sell players and, and sign cheaper players, I mean, they've got a really good squad at the moment. They've got two good players in every position pretty much. Um, so it will only be, there's, you know, there's talk that all the world might be leaving. So it will only be a situation where if players are going out, then new players have got to come in to replace them. Yeah. But unless they're willing to, you know, do what Liverpool did and put your hand in your pocket, spend 70 odd million on a Virgil van Dijk. Which has been a game changer as well, which, you know, the money's there. Um, well, this is the thing. I mean, the proofs in the, in the results. He's been their best, one of their best players, player of the season. Mm. So stable. So... And the thing is, Spurs have gotten all the way to a Europa, UEFA, <laughs> I wish it was Europa, <laughs> a, a UEFA Champions League final. So that means that they are very marketable. Pretty much every player in the world would want to play for Tottenham Hotspurs right now. Even players at teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, if a strong offer came in from Spurs, they'd probably be thinking, hmm, that's an interesting offer. Playing for Pochettino as well. He's a great manager. Does he stay? I mean, I can't see where he could go at the minute now that Zidane's gone to Real Madrid. So give him another year or so. And yeah, they've definitely got a strength in here and there. Like Kane, you know, when Kane went out injured, everyone thought, oh, that'll be the end of Spurs. But they rallied up round. I don't think Lorente was a suitable enough replacement. They need another decent striker. I mean, with the stat, the status that they've got now from getting to the Champions League final, they should obviously have made a lot of money along the way. Yeah. Um, sort of win bonuses and stuff like that uh, for winning Champions League games, winning the, uh, getting all the way to the final, um, finishing quite high up in the league. Um, I think the Premier League award more money uh, depending on your yeah. finishing places, don't they? So they should have a decent amount of money that's come into the club. The question is, is Daniel Levy going to reinvest that into the team? Or where does it go? Does it go to the shareholders? Go for that they, stadium, pay for that stadium. Right, does it go towards that? Do they continue with the same business model that's been successful and got them to this point so far? Or do they start to rip up the rule book and do something new? Because it's, it's interesting. I, I'd like I'd like to uh, know what Pochettino is thinking right now. Because he's probably thinking... I've had enough. I deserve... <laughs> yeah. But he's probably thinking, I deserve some serious financial backing. What I've done for this club... Yeah. Right now, I deserve to be able to go out and buy the best players in the world. I deserve to be able to say, I want this guy and you just go and get him. It doesn't matter how much. If it costs 50 million, if it costs 100 million, you just go and get him. Mm. Will that happen? I doubt it. It's never. It's not really Tottenham's way. And even with the salaries as well, they've got a sort of a wage structure. They don't go too mad. Um, Levy does really well in sort of uh, keeping players on with their contract and doesn't let it run down. And um, I think, you know, does Danny Rose stay? I don't think he wanted to stay. Uh, he may move on. But, you know, like you said, they're, they're, uh, they're in higher, you know, value. They're in Champions League. They're playing decent football. They've got an amazing new stadium, a great manager who's developing players. So we shall see over time. And in the, one of the best cities in the world as well. Just like even play teams like West Ham can attract good players because people want to come to London. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, talking to uh, teams in London as well, the other final, Europa final now, that was... <sighs> <laughs> well, if what you're an Arsenal we, fan... What do we say about that final? First of all, thousands of miles away. Baku. All the fans who went there, big up, you know. Where the hell is Baku? Um, fucking other end of the world Azerbaijan yeah wow. miles away 
miles away. And Mick Terry not playing as well, that really affected Arsenal. And then Ramsey, obviously, off to Juventus. They were really missing Ramsey's sort of running and mm. his dynamite approach. I mean, with Ramsey being injured, these things happen in football, don't they? You need to have a squad that's capable of still being able to put a good team out come what may over the course of a season. Players will get injured, players will get suspended. It's just It just goes to show that Arsenal didn't have a squad capable of doing the business. Or, or if they did, then maybe the fact that the final was in Baku and Mkhitaryan couldn't play, maybe that ended up being to some, Arsenal's detriment. Some because psychological... They ended up having to bring Willock off the bench. Like he a, played well. A, a young player. He did more in 10 minutes than Ozil did in a whole game. It's funny because a lot of I people... I know the game was lost by then, so... A lot of people think he did really well, but I, I have the opinion that, like, forget the fact that he's young and he's learning his trade and all of this stuff. As soon as he's on the pitch in that occasion, he needs to produce. Yeah. And he... I think he made a series of bad decisions... That kind of showed to me maybe, maybe bringing him off the bench wasn't the right decision. Maybe Mkhitaryan needed to come off the bench if he was available to play. You could have arguably started with Mkhitaryan. I I just feel with the Urzel, yeah, that's an interesting point of view. It, it did feel like some of the moments got to him. He played well in parts though. He was pushing the ball. He oh, was, he he was driving the ball forward. Driving he did really well. You know, maybe with a bit more experience or a few more minutes under his belt on the pitch, he would have put them away. I think he he set himself up well for next season. I'm sure yeah, he'll have a very strong season definitely. for Arsenal next season. Yeah, it's he promising. played really well throughout the whole Europa competition. Mm. So it's a really good sort of um, nod to him get some minutes in the final. And um, was, maybe maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe he was just unfortunate because he had some good chances and maybe he was unfortunate to not put the ball in the back of the net and, or just to make the wrong decision and not pass and, and shoot instead. But being that it's a cup final and that it's high stakes, uh, you know, I'm just looking at it from a logical perspective, you know. A sign of things to come with Ozil being hauled off, not looking too happy and Willick stepping up. Wow. I mean, big, 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 big player. Big player for Arsenal. Did he produce in the big occasion when they needed him the most? No, no. No. But what he did do well, which I feel goes unnoticed, unless you watch him or you're a sort of fan, because a lot of people criticise him and always concentrate on the negative aspect. But what he d does do well and did do well on the, on the day was kept the ball and kept position and offered that balance in the Chelsea half. What we didn't have, though, was another midfielder similar alongside him to push on or offer him that balance. So where where him and Ramsey, Ramsey would be putting in the work and then allow Ozil to push on and thread the balls and do the two one, two balls wasn't there. Uh Xhaka's never gonna offer that as a centre mid. He just keeps keeps it going. But I think Ozil had the ball, kept possession, but then just wasn't close enough to the other two, Aubameyang and Lacazette, to provide these through balls, to provide that clinical magic that you needed from arguably uh, your uh, one of your world class players. Um, the difference was the world class players. The difference was Hazard. To me, the only world class player on the pitch and Kante. I think Aubameyang let Arsenal down uh, for that game. He was he was unfortunate. Lacazette. I mean, the whole team almost didn't turn up second half. It looks like they were flat, and then they just got hit with the sorry ball. The tactics of the full you know the full pitch press getting smothered. And then getting caught on the counter, and then Hazard being the you know being the difference, which he always is for Chelsea. You got a world class player, world class player step up at the highest stage, and it was his last swan song, wasn't he? He definitely did step up, and uh, 
Olivier Giroud also stepped up to the plate. I didn't think he was that great in the first half, but great his second goal. performance great was really goal. good. Terrorised our back line. We just couldn't handle him. The back line as well. I mean, Czech, all the talk about not playing Czech because he's off to Chelsea and you should start with your strongest player in Leno. He kept Arsenal in it, but the whole back team, Monorail's ageing, uh, Koscielny's was getting on. Socrates is, is a great player, but need, needs help. And it's just... You know, it was just, I think, disappointing for Arsenal fans, especially ones who, who flew all the way out there. The first half looked okay, hit the crossbar, it was contained. Chelsea had a few chances towards the end of the first half and then they just turned up and couldn't but, deal with them. But trying to look at it from a, a non-Arsenal perspective, from like a neutral perspective, it was a pretty good game of football, wasn't it? Was it? Very it was a very good final. Like yeah, it was a very good final. Five goals. Could have been more. 4-1 was uh, flattering of Arsenal, I felt. I mean, Peter Cech was pretty much the man of the match. He made save after save yeah, after yeah, save. Yeah. It, the score could have been embarrassing. But at the same time... Well, the score was embarrassing. Even though the score could have been even more embarrassing for Arsenal. But at the same time, Arsenal had a lot of chances and they just didn't take them. I think Arsenal should have had a penalty in the first half. Yes, um, that should have been a penalty. Nil-nil and, you know, that would have been a completely different game if Arsenal went 1-0 up early in the game. Yeah, and then Awobi came on. You know, this is where you go, should Awobi have started stretching Chelsea? Mkhitaryan wasn't there, so maybe another option in stretching them. Awobi played really well. As soon as he came on, yeah. He's, he yeah. Does, he's, he's been an in, incredibly... He's had a good season. Yeah, he's been improved. He's been improved and he'll get better. So an average season from Arsenal... Um, they've got to be disappointed. Well done, Chelsea, for winning it and getting some silverware. Hazard's moved on to Real Madrid. 100 million. This is what you've got to see. If you're a Spurs, if you're a Liverpool, this is what you've got to do now. You've got to splash the cash and get an Eden Hazard-level player. He's 28. He's at his peak now, isn't he? He's going to be amazing for Madrid. Yeah, he's absolutely going to destroy it. So what he does in the Premier League, imagine that in Spain. He's mm. just, but then he's got to do it now. So obviously... Madrid are looking to win it all. I've always thought though, Hazard doesn't, he doesn't have enough end product. He doesn't have enough goals. He's his highest goal return rate uh, this season, I believe. Still, I mean, when, that goals and when assists, Ronaldo though. was in the Premier League, he was scoring 50 goals, 40 goals, different 30 goals. I think different type of playing football. So that United team under Ferguson was a lot more free-flowing and attack-minded, where Chelsea, uh, and I think I said it before in the other podcast, Hazard has always needed a big man, a drug bar, Diego Costa, Giroud, to play off, play the ball into feet and then run off. Or when he runs with the ball, other players take the defenders other way, so he just opens them up. I think in Spain, he'll have that. He won't have a big man at Madrid, will he? He'll be playing with Benzema. Uh, and they will be playing that free-flowing attacking football that you say, but like uh, a centre point, like a, yeah, like a big, like a centre forward to play off. Mm. So someone who's there and sometimes has a back to goal, plays nippy little one twos around. He'll 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 do well. He'll, he'll have a great return. So do you think he'll score more goals in Spain than he scored for Chelsea? Yes, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say. I think it's probably harder to score goals in the Premiership. Well, I don't know. You see, we'll see, we'll see. Sometimes I don't know. I just think he. I don't want to say flatters to deceive. Ooh. I don't want to go that. I don't want to be that strong. Do you not with believe he's world class? I, you know what it is, yeah. I think he's a very skillful player, I think he's, but he he's doesn't phenomenal. have the end product for me to put him in that category with the best players in the world. Like for me, world class. There's very few world class players. You know. Yeah, Ronaldo, I feel that word. I agree. That word does get thrown around. But Ronaldo, he's, Messi, um, he's up there. You know, Modric. Neymar. 
Uh, I mean, is I'd have him above is Neymar. Hazard, you think that Hazard's a better player than Neymar? I'd, I'd have him. I'd have him in my team ahead of Neymar. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. I think Neymar scores more goals than Hazard. It's not just about goals, though. So, right st- stats for Hazard this year. This is most goals and assists. So, sixteen goals, fifteen assists this season. Mm. Twelve goals, four assists last season. Uh, sixteen goals, five assists, two thousand sixteen season. Um, for, first when he came, he got in two thousand fourteen. He got fourteen goals and nine assists. So he's been he's been steady. That's just in the Premier League. That's not mm. even taking. So I think yeah, in terms of changing a game on its head, um, running at players, causing all types of damage, he's like yeah. I would I would say he's probably got similar stats to Ericsson. About fifteen odd goals in a season. 15 assists. But he's much better player than Ericsson. I think he's good on the eye, but what it all comes down to at the end of the day is that end product is what happens on the uh, on the score sheet. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Well, we'll have to leave it to our listeners. To <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Do you think Eden Hazard is going to absolutely tear up Real Madrid? Do you think maybe he's a player that looks really good and doesn't have as much end product and you know, he's overrated. Mm. Well, whatever you think, let us know. Hit us up. Um, I would like to give you a, a play on handle, but it's going to have to be at Beer at Bants to hit us up with your opinion on the social media at the moment. Um, yeah, maybe we should uh, fast forward and get the old uh, at play on handles sorted out. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get the social medias. Um, talking about end product teams as well, just recently, the UA, uh, was it UEFA Nations League mm-hmm. just finished. Um we watched the England-Holland game. Um, England getting criticised for playing at the back, trying to play out, you know, passing expansive football, which we now have all come accustomed to, watching Man City, watching Liverpool, Barcelona, obviously. Been doing it for years under Cruyff and Guardiola and whatnot. Um, getting criticised for these defensive mistakes and losing to Holland, the Netherlands 3-1. Um, I'd like to still see England play that way. I think football needs needs to have this rather than the old dinosaur approach of long balls all the time. And, mm. you know, that football's in the past. So they were unfortunate against Holland. They got caught, Ross Barkley and John Stones. John Stones especially, slipping up there, needs to watch his place. See, John Stones should be used to that kind of football at Manchester City. Yeah, but he wasn't always playing recently, was he? In fact, he wasn't even first choice. So, mm. um, But he's in training all the time. When yeah, he's fit, but he? there's a difference between match fit and sharp, you know, match fit and then training fit. I think because a lot but of But my, my point is that the footballing philosophy oh, yeah, yeah, should yeah, be yeah. something he's used to, the oh, style yeah, yeah. of play. But he'd always get caught with it. Do you remember when they first came, um, he'd be a, this passing centre-back, but he'd always get caught in possession or make the odd mistake mm, now and again. Pump. Yeah, so he needs this to eradicate that out of his game, which is un- unlucky that England lost like they did to those chances. Holland looking amazing. The new generation powering through, mm. delict. Um, and everyone else, you know, killing it. Memphis, Memphis the pie, De Jong. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Loads of good players. Um, what's Clivert's son's name again? It's Clivert. Clivert. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> um, he looks like a really good player. He's really fast and um, got some good tech. Yeah, I think it's been good. I think the this to get rid of the friendlies and have this European home trophy tournament thing has, has definitely added a new new element to, to the mid, you know, mid-season international games, the, the breaks or whatnot, as it were. Um, gives them something to play for. 
so you think still, it's, uh, it's a, still lost in the semi-final, so nothing new there then. Do you think it's a bit better having a, a more competitive international definitely. opposed to just having friendlies? Definitely, definitely. Um, and it also helps the other players, squad players, get some, some game time. So I know that Gareth Southgate didn't get all the Liverpool and Tottenham players back because of the Champions League. So he was working with other other squad players and they get a chance to shine. The younger players, Jordan Sancho, mm. um, you know, which is really positive. Yeah, it's good. Look, any any football, any international football is good. We welcome it from the men's side uh, and the women's side, which we'll talk about shortly. Sure. Um, I, I'm I, Just back on the old footballing philosophy style of things. Yeah. I'm a big fan of seeing this tiki-taka or a nice... Uh, one touch, two touch, Sorry passing ball, football, give and go, Venga ball. It, it looks, <laughs> it looks really good. Southgate ball. It looks really good on the eye. It's good to, it's good to see. Um, I just wonder, do we have the players to actually do it? Yes, definitely, definitely. I think we do. I think we do now in the Premiership because there's so many. What was funny is in the um, uh, Europa League final and the Champions League final, there was only about seven or eight English players. <laughs> which made it interesting. I think there's only one in the Europa League final, one Englishman playing for Arsenal. But these English players are playing with world-class players from all over the all over the world, all over different continents. So they're mm. picking up on these skills and traits. So they're naturally getting better. So I think we've we've got players to do it. It's, you know, and, and we're getting there. We're getting there. Mm, we've got players that are travelling and playing on the continent as well now. So yeah. they're playing that week in, week out at their club. Yeah, I don't think... Why can't we do it at the international level? I don't know if South... You said you've got Southgate ball. I've not, like, I don't know if he's got his own style yet with the passing and moving. I definitely noticed through set pieces that was more Southgate's influence in the World Cup where they were lined up on the edge of the box and several, several players were going to the front post and blocking other runs sort of like in setting screens like in basketball and in American football and that and that worked really well. I think so in we the became World a Cup, set piece team. In the World Cup it was a, a case of, you know, knowing that you're coming up against teams that are going to be much better than you and just trying to set yourself up and be defensively solid mm. and, you know, use our strengths, play to our strengths. Mm. We've got uh Kieran Trippier who can whip in a great dead ball. So nah, let's try and score not, goals from yeah. these um from the set piece. I mean, he scored a great free kick in the World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, but I, I think he's passed it now. He's had his time. Like, he wasn't even great in the Champions League final. I think his moment's gone. But we've only played two teams better than us in the World Cup final. And we lost to them both. You know, all the other teams we were better than. And we made it hard work against Colombia. We, we weren't as good as Croatia and we weren't as good as Belgium. And we lost to them. So That's the truth. Yeah. But, you know, you can only beat who's in front of you. No, definitely, definitely. So definitely. We definitely did that. We did and well. I think Southgate, he's still new. He's still developing his style and putting his uh, personality and impression onto the team. So yeah. I'd, I'd like to think Southgate is... I really believe in Gareth Southgate. I think he's a great football man, great football manager. And I think that he can get this England team playing some really good football. Yeah. They're young and they're hungry. And, you know, they've got some good techers and good quality. They and looked good. They can play good football. Why yeah, not? They, I think just against Holland, you know, maybe you've come up against a better team, haven't you? And they look good. Yeah. And they look good against Switzerland, although they didn't take their chances. That went to penalties. Um, they should have been more clinical. I think, you know, we'll get there. And also the end of the season is hard. You know, teams have had a grueling season. Uh, a lot of the players have been playing in... Europa, Champions Leagues, whatnot. There's been some big yeah. emotional games. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because the the moments where the goals happened were like an injury time, weren't they? So, you know, you've had yeah, a long yeah. season. You've come all the way to 
this Nations League and then you end up in the semi-final of the competition mm. in injury time, you're probably knackered and that's how, you know, you can end up sort of losing concentration a little bit, oh, slipping up, yeah, maybe yeah. the pass didn't quite go as far as it should have done, you know, little things. And you make mistakes and then you can see two goals, boom, boom, mm. and it's all over. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And they did well against Switzerland, like I said. And then in the final, we'll be watching out against Holland and Portugal. Um, ending on that note with the men's football, as we just see this in- women's England game come to an end, the women's World Cup final. Have you seen any of it, Cal? You sound so excited about it. I am this, excited bro. for it. This is, this is good football. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It has been good football. Some of it's been decent. And I know there's a bit, uh, there's a hint of sort of surprised uh, tone in my voice, but the women have been knocking the ball around all countries. So I watched some of the opener with France winning four, was it four nil or so? Three, four nil. Um, and then I watched the China-Germany game and that was, that was interesting. Chinese were dirty, mm. kicking, getting stuck, like proper flying in. Um, and then I saw... Uh, the England game now which we watched so we're, we're bigging up the Lionesses uh, Scotland as well we wish them luck but the women's football has been really good and it will continue to get better I've got to admit I don't know jack about the current state of women's football no I don't know I either but it's, I'm, still, the, I'm still supporting it I used to quite follow the Arsenal ladies and the uh, the England national team when we had a lot of Arsenal ladies playing for them uh, Mary Phillip who was absolutely solid for Arsenal at the back Yankee and, uh, Rachel Yankee, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, hard. yeah. And Julie Fleeting used to score a lot of goals. The as presenter well. as well, Alex, not Alex Scott, is it? What's her name? She's she she's really good. But I used to get coached by a lot younger at Kilmscott playing football as a kid by an Arsenal player and women. You know, there's no reason why this can't be as big as the men's sport. It's it's still growing. The football is good. You know, most of the football's good. Yeah, there was one little clip you showed me earlier where there was a a, a lady with a lovely bit of skill. On social media, yeah. She, yeah, she had the techers. She had the techers. Mm. So we are definitely rooting for the it Lionesses. interesting, man. I mean, um, it. I wonder if it's going to be in exactly the same kind of way that the men's game is. Like, every time you see Brazil, you know to expect a certain type of play from Brazil. You know they're going to have loads of skills. They're going to be flair players. And they're going to do really well. Yeah, Hope um, Solo. She's the uh, American goalie. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when you see England, are you expecting them to be very sort of defensively solid and play in a very, um, you know, a high pace, high tempo game with lots of strength and energy? Um, I wonder if, if those kind of national styles of play from the men's game are the same in the women's game. Yeah, I would say so. Because you're in the same country... You're getting the similar coaches. You're watching the... Because your club that you're playing for will have an ethos in the way they play. The country will have an idea that they play. So the Italians traditionally will be defensively sound. Mm. Um, Brazilians, like you said, some flair. England, a bit of everything. Um, I know the Japanese women's team, the American team are really good as well. So we'll wait, watch this space. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be France are the host nation. So I'll say France, Brazil... England, America in the semis. And I'm going to call, I'm going to say we're going to win it. We're going to, hey, it's coming on. It's coming on. It's coming. Football's coming on. The royalty, the royalty check on that song must be mad after the World Cup and now this World <laughs> Cup. David Baddiel and uh, um, Frank Skinner, and was it the Lightning Seeds, I believe, sang it. So, yeah, I'm all for it. And it gets girls playing. It gets more women playing. I remember at sc- when I was w- working in one school, I had a lot of 
uh, every season I'd put girls in the in the in the school team with the boys so there'd be one or two girls playing and some amazing footballers and hopefully they've gone on to play to play football now for their secondary schools college and university and we do used to have a Friday used to be girls only football so only girls were allowed on the football pitch no boys that's a bit prejudiced isn't it no it's a bit sexist isn't it no because boys dominate boys dominate now, it's it's good to give the uh the ladies a chance to to shine uh, I like that that's uh quite inclusive very inclusive that's what we try and do it's part of my job get more women playing get more girls playing sport um so yeah it's positive it's going to be the biggest world cup uh, a lot of viewers and it's a positive thing most definitely but um we've kind of come to the point where we're going to wrap this up full time full time the whistle has blown but we must play on <laughs> obviously not playing when the whistle's gone and everyone's gone home you look a bit weird but that'll look very weird that's it that's it so yeah uh, I've been Ben I've been Cal thank you for listening check us out comment all of this anything uh, that you feel you agree disagree with at beer at Bants play on uh, podcast on all uh, streaming platforms. platforms and we out peace that flowed man that was a